Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glickson with my tag team partner, Matt Story. And the difference in temperature from the places we're recording, I believe, is greater than six touchdowns. Greater than uh, seven touchdowns, maybe yeah. greater than nine touchdowns. Well, what is it where you are? I, I, it I, is 16. Okay, yeah. It's, it's, uh, well, let's see what it is right now. Highs were in the 80s today. It might have dipped under 80 by now. It's, it's 7.15 at night here. Yep, it's 76. So we're looking at a 60-degree uh, difference, I guess. Yeah, all right. So, so totally you know, reasonable. let's start off with yeah, sales pitch. Come back to Arizona. You know I'm always I'm always recruiting. I will be back in Arizona tomorrow night, which is why we're recording now. That uh, is true. You will, yes, yes. Now, I'm, I'm aiming for more than just a, you know, a weekend, but, you know, hey, a little bit at a time, I guess. So we're going to preview the ASU-USC football game. But before we start, Matt, what is the deal with NBA players like Kawhi Leonard <laughs> not playing in nationally televised games? Now, granted, it's a back-to-back and it's nationally televised sure. both nights. Sure. But that seems ridiculous. I mean, it's not like load management helped him win the title or that he credits that for being so, you know, ready yeah, to go yeah. in the conference finals and, and finals last year. Well, yeah, and I can, I can tell that you are, are laying on the sarcasm as I was earlier when we texted about this. Um, and I'm with you. I, well, I don't know if you're really – I don't know. I don't know what you think. I, I Look, much like – fantasy sports lineups, which are the only lineups I ever get to set. Yeah. The coach decides what's best for the team. Sure. And sure. that's enough for me. You I know? mean, it's, it's, look, it's just, it's just the way it is. Like, I, I guess I, you know, in an ideal world would, you know, if, if I bought a ticket to see, I mean, the, okay, I, I can give you a real world example because it's coming up in about a month, the Rockets come and play the Suns. Uh, I'm planning to go. Have a, I have not bought a ticket yet, and I have not bought a ticket in part because I cannot guarantee that Harden and Westbrook will both play. And I'm going to wait till closer to the time to buy that ticket because of that. Not not only for injury, but just you know, hey, what, what if? Now it's not part of a back to back for them, but you know they may sit one of them, and that makes the game less appealing for me as a ticket buyer. But the bottom line is, this is not changing. We're spending a lot of time ruminating about a topic that simply isn't going to change. Uh, you know, players have have it, it's sort of to me. It's a little bit like talking about you know, boy, I wish college basketball would be back to the days where guys stayed three or four years. The light bulb has come on and, and it's not going off. These players realize now that they don't have to play eighty two games. That uh, they're they're making more money. They're more aware of physical fitness and conditioning and things like that. And they're just not gonna. And so we just, you know, you have two choices to me. You can either accept it and, you know, work around it as a fan, or you can turn off the NBA. If you want to choose to do that, by all means, go for it. Um, But, you know, all the talk is not going to change anything. So I'm blanking on the team, but they were talking about this on uh, the Dunked On podcast. that. Uh, one of the teams went to India, so a little bit further than China for their. Yeah. A, and now the off season is shorter. The preseason sure. is shorter, and you're having them travel. the The teams people leaked to the media that it's not 
it's not your eyes deceiving you. They're moving slower than they were last year because they just yeah. aren't as rested and they've had to yeah. do a lot more. Um, yeah. You know, where I land on this, and I'm, I feel like, much like this podcast overall, this specific point is me <laughs> just shouting into the abyss, but 32 teams, 76 games. Your TV contracts don't have to change at that point. You get two yeah. new expansion fees if you're the owners. The Players yeah. Association gets 24 to 30 new players plus guys in the D, in the uh, sure. G League and, and two sure. ways. Sure, yeah. You know, it's simple. You play yeah. six fewer yeah. games. And I, I mean that's a uh, that's a fair suggestion. I I wouldn't I wouldn't um, disagree with it. Uh, I still think you're probably going to have guys sitting out, but you know maybe maybe less frequency of it because if you can do six fewer games, you could probably cut back your back to backs. Uh, you know, which is one of the biggest areas that we have this now. They've they've spread out the season. I mean, the season basketball season recently used to start. You know. Right around now, beginning of November, and now it starts in mid-October, and it still ends at the same time. So they they spread it out to try to alleviate that already. Uh, mm-hmm. If you took away some games, you know, you could certainly do that as well. And I don't think that would be the worst idea for basketball or baseball. Um, you know, uh, both sports could stand to trim the fat a little bit, and I don't think would be hurt by it. Uh, not going to make that much of a difference, I don't believe. I mean, seventy-six mm-hmm. or seventy or whatever. It, it's still a lot of games. It's still not going to make the regular season feel like football where every game feels like it's the end of the world. Part of it for me, part of my rationale on this is a lot of the stories about the rest is not projecting its recovery. And they, they have right. all these things now where they monitor you and how close you are to your baseline of 100%. And if you right. are not you know, able to get back to 80, they need you to uh, to sit. And that's one of the things that they've marveled about LeBron, which is he has yeah. the ability to recover, or at least a younger LeBron, had the ability to recover and be back to 80% of his, you know, peak quickly. He, you right, know, right. And he would gas himself in the games. He'd be way lower, but then sure. he would rise back very quickly and be ready again. Sure, and, sure. Well, and... and- yeah, well, go ahead, go ahead, finish well, what you were saying. And so if you have six less games, by just simple math, you are going to be able to spread out more time between games. Sure, sure. And have better recovery time. You know, setting yeah. aside more practice, which I know teams just don't practice during the season anymore, basically. They don't, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you. That's a good point. And what I was going to say was, you know, you point out this stuff and see this stuff didn't used to exist. We didn't have this sort of technology to be able to track guys, you know, levels and, and, you know, say, uh, I mean, it was just kind of an eye test. That guy looks a little slower tonight. Oh, he looks really, he looks like he's got a hop in his step. Now we've got all this technology to be able to tell you. And quite honestly, it's beyond my comprehension, how these guys respond, how they recover, you know, their energy levels, how fast they're moving, blah, blah, blah. And, and, you know, again, you cannot put the genie back in the bottle. Like, we're aware of that now. And players, again, they're making more money than they used to. And so they're they're more enlightened. And there's just no going back. I mean, you know, I keep I hear, you know, Dan Patrick and Tony Kornheiser and Mike Wilbon, you know, oh, Michael Jordan used to play 82. Michael Jordan played 20 years ago. 
like that. I mean, took multiple years change, off in between. He did. He did as well. Yeah, I heard somebody well, this morning on Dan Patrick said, you know, well, in those, those six years he won the title, you know, he played seventy five or more. With, you know, with the two years in between, like, but like, yeah, that's that's important. You know, I mean, he he had years off too. Now. Again, you know, he was still playing a sport, I guess. Uh, you know, minor league baseball, a little different, but he was playing. But, you know, look, okay, he played 82 games. That's awesome. Uh, Will Chamberlain played, you know, one a year where he only missed seven total minutes. Uh, you know, yeah. that was the 1960s. Like, uh, it's not that way anymore. It's just not. Well, there's no open flow. It's all clutch and grab. It's not right. spread offense. You're, you're running right. three-point line to three-point line. The game was different. The game was different. You're exactly right. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, yes, and certainly you could you can make the flip side argument, especially for like Wilt and say, you know, well, boy, travel's so much better now, and they're staying in you know luxury hotels, and that that's all true. Um, but the bottom line is that again, you know, eyes have opened to the fact that it might be better for it might be better for you in the short term and certainly in the long term to play sixty to seventy games rather than eighty two. Uh, you know, the Spurs were kind of at the forefront of this with Tim Duncan. Tim Duncan had the knee injury in his third year. Uh, after they won the title his second year, he missed the playoffs that year. They got beat in the first round. And after that, they they managed him differently the rest of his career. And it worked. He played 19 years. He won four more titles. Um, and, and, you know, and then they kept that same approach with Ginobili and Parker. And, uh, you know, it's it, and, and it spread. And again, you know, Eyes are open, minds are open, and this whole like, oh well, you know, the next CBA they can address it. How are you going to address it? Because all you got to do is say a guy's injured, and you can't prove otherwise. I mean, all you got to do is say uh, he's got to, got to, you know, tweak his hamstring or his back feels a little tight, like Jalen Ramsey, and and you know, you sit him out. So I mean, it's just going to be the way it is. Again, either accept it and keep watching, or accept it and stop watching. But that's really your only two choices. Well, and it, I guess my to, – to piggyback on your point and then we'll change topics. But my issue with this is the team is making the decision. And, right. you know, it's okay. Well, I I only want to go see the Bucks because of Giannis. And if Giannis doesn't play, then it's not worth it, an experience sure. you had. Um, yeah. Yes, I did. Yes. But the Bucks are making a decision that – the odds of winning the game are lower, but it's better to have Giannis sure. rested. That, well, that's their decision. Just like if exactly. I decide that I'm better off going to bed at 9 and getting up at 4.30 <laughs> in the morning so that I can do this work as opposed to staying up till midnight. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, you know? no, I, I agree. I mean, look, this, is, this, is, this has been happening in baseball forever. Guys don't play 162 games in baseball. It's very rare. There's a reason that Cal Ripken was so noted for that consecutive game streak and why there's such a giant gap between, you know, him and the next closest active guy now. I mean, you always hear these amazing numbers because it doesn't happen. And you know that's just the risk you take when the, you know, when the Angels come to town, you want to see Mike Trout, you buy a ticket, there is a chance he may not play. And not because of injury, but simply because the manager decides, ah, he needs a day off. It's just that's always been the part of the equation, and now it's part of the equation in basketball. And you just have to you have to make that choice. Again, you know, do you want to buy a ticket a month ahead of time, a week ahead of time? You don't know. Or do you want to wait till game day to have a better feel? Uh, 
probably and, went away. And uh, you, but, you, know. you can put a better product out there. The Bucks, when they were bad, would sell out for the LeBron games. Sure. And the Durant games and the Warriors games. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, now they have a better product. They sell sure. out games. Because sure. people want to see the home team. They want to go see that team. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, look, I, I have been in the position with, with various sports of going to a game to see a player or certain players. Uh, you know, it, it took me probably four tries, I think, of going to see the Heat before I finally saw Dwayne Wade. He, you know, he missed a game because he was injured. He missed a game because he had a migraine and he did, you know, he, and, uh, you know, and I was like, man, you know, am I just not meant to see it? I finally did. Um, you know, so I get it. It's frustrating as a fan, but it's just the way it is. Like we can, we can, you know, kick and scream and cry all we want, but it isn't changing. Yeah. Uh, speaking of kicking, screaming and crying, Clemson is not in the top four, Matt. It's November 7th. This is horrible. They're going to leave out the defending champion. Ah, the defending champion who hasn't lost, who hasn't right, done anything right. wrong. <laughs> so I will tell you, and I mean, I have no record of it because it was just me, but I got home that night of the ranking show. I got home just in time for them to be unveiled. And I turn on the TV, and I'm sitting on the couch, and they show number six, Georgia. So we know who the top five are. And I'm sitting on the couch, and I thought, Clemson's going to be number five. And, and I knew it because it just made more sense to put them number five than putting Penn State number five because it's, you know, that would have been, eh, who cares? Penn State plays Ohio State. They'll have their chance to move up. You put Clemson there, and it's, oh, what? They're undefeated, and they're the defending champs. And, you know, it makes no difference. They, they If they're undefeated, they will go. If they lose one, they probably won't. That would have been the case if they were four either, you know, the same way. Because uh, the ACC is so bad this year, um, but yeah, you know, and it, and it worked because what led PTI the next day, you know, and and to their credit, they both you know quelled it. But what was the lead topic? You know, is it wrong that Clemson's number five? It doesn't matter. Is is the answer? It doesn't matter if it's right or wrong. It's uh, it's just a line from The Departed that I can't say, but. Qui bono, who benefits, and it's the follow-up right. line to that. Uh, right, right, <laughs> right. I mean, you know, look, this is this is a TV show. Literally, it is a TV show that they put on, you know, five times a year to lead up to these rankings. Uh, they started a week later this year. I noticed, which I like. I, I wish they wouldn't do them at all. Uh, to, to me, I've never, I've never liked this from the start when they put this in place. We don't need rankings every week. Just tell us at the end. Well, That's really and, the only one that matters. And why go lower than six? Like, why put out exactly. why put out your rankings beyond six? Because who cares? Exactly. Who cares? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it does. It doesn't matter. Um, and every year they tell us that you know they they you know they don't base the next week's rankings off what happened you know the week before they start all over again. So why bother? Why have them at all? But why have them? situations just like this it's it's first of all it's good programming it gets people talking for a month because every tuesday you know you got your games on saturday and then every tuesday night you get you know reese davis and kirk and jesse palmer and joey galloway and all those guys to sit around and say i can't believe that this team was ranked number eight this team's ranked number nine well this is good for this team and it's bad for this team and you know 
the number of conversations this week about, you know, if Alabama loses, can they come back? If LSU loses, let's just wait and see who loses. What, what a concept. Let's see who loses and then let's see what happens. Neither one is done if they lose. Not a chance. They might end up being that way. It's possible that an 11-1 and Alabama could be left out. But it's also possible, and how do we know it's possible? Because it's happened that an 11-1 in Alabama could get back in the playoff. It happened two years ago. Yeah. They it, lost their last regular season game, and they got back in. It is the same thing with every elite team. You get a grace period, uh, you do. a grace you do. loss. You, you know? do. And, yeah, Alabama and, will get a, a, a more of a free pass than Baylor, let's say. Um, and Baylor loses a game, they're out. That's that is fact. Baylor would Baylor would need to be thirteen and zero. So would Minnesota, uh, Ohio State, Penn State, Alabama, LSU. They don't. Georgia. I mean, Georgia's number six. They lost at home to South Carolina. And everybody's just oh yeah, Georgia's number six. Like I mean, if we're really looking at it, why is Georgia number six? What has Georgia done that Oregon hasn't? You know, and they're ranked ahead of Oregon. Uh, yeah. Oregon's Oregon's loss was to an SEC team on a neutral field, a game that they controlled most of it. Georgia got beat by a four and six South Carolina team, or whatever, five and five, or whatever they are at home. Like, uh, <laughs> at home, yeah. You know, now again, is Georgia? I, I think Georgia's good. I'm not not knocking them. I like Georgia, but you know, those are the types of things. And like, you know, because they're Georgia, let's let's just be honest here. Georgia's going to get more of a free pass on a loss than Utah and probably Oregon. Oregon's a little bit more of a name brand. Utah's not. Um, yeah, you know, Utah's going to, oh, they lost to USC. Okay. They, they lost on the road to a, you know, a better than average USC team, team we're going to talk about here in a minute. Um, you know, it's not, losing at home to South Carolina. Now they just beat Florida. That's great. They beat Notre Dame. Good win. But, you know, what, what makes Georgia so special right now? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, it, it, the, the Clemson thing, the only the only reason I really wanted to, to you know, bring it up to you, and I, I wish I'd had time to text you before it happened, but, it, you know, again, it was so quick that I'm really sitting there, and they, had, they hadn't put up number five yet, and I thought, it's going to be Clemson, right? And they didn't let me down. They delivered on their made-for-TV drama. Which really makes you wonder, why, why do these matter? And they don't, but they don't. but they're structured they in a way where I'm supposed to care. But I also know that you're gonna give me not that story, you know? Right, right, right. Uh, you know, but it's it's uh, and and as you said, you know, when when I texted you this morning, you're and you know, and they said it on TV. I mean, the four teams in front of them play each other in some combination. One plays four, two plays three this week, uh, and so there will be losses. And, you know, if Clemson is 13-0, and they're going to be in. Now, if you want to look at that and say, boy, they may not be able to survive a loss like they did, a, you know, a couple times. They, uh, but uh, three years ago when they won the title with Deshaun Watson, they lost in November to Pitt. And they, they got back in and, you know, won the whole thing. That's probably fair um, because of the weakness of the ACC. That, that is probably true, but not necessarily guaranteed because it depends on what other teams do. Mm-hmm. You know, the main thing about this, and it sounds, it's Eric Dickerson level analysis here, but they got to put four teams in. So to say like, you know, well, Clemson's done if they lose. 
not if, uh, you know, Ohio State and Alabama and LSU and Georgia all lose too. No, they're probably not. But, you know, I mean, like, they'd probably get back in. Mm-hmm. It, the, I guess the one thing the rankings show you is how, how many things have to go right for you if you're Oregon right. to get in. Right, you know. right. Now, I will say, I, I, think they got a, I think the Pac-12 has a shot. It's an outside shot, but it's a shot. I mean, if both of those teams, it was a big weekend for, for those teams. I mean, both of them won on the road, and, you know, and won in impressive fashion. Oregon just beat down USC in the second half. And Utah, you know, had a really good second half comeback to beat Washington on the road. And, and the road is clear for both of them to get to 11-1 and one and play each other. And, and, you know, and if, if the winner of that game is 12-1, and one, I, you know, I think you'd have a pretty good argument uh, over, you know, potentially a one-loss Big 12 or, a, you know, a second-place Big 10 or SEC team, that type of situation. But, yeah, they do they need a little bit of help? Probably. Because if, if uh, you know, let's say the SEC and Big 10 champs are both undefeated, but the Clemson is, that's three then you're looking at, you know, okay, the loser of Ohio State, Penn State, the loser of LSU, Alabama, uh, and, and you know, maybe in Oklahoma, if they come back and win the Big 12, you know, that's going to be tough for the Pac-12 to win that battle, just by perception. I, I'm with you, and now I think we should turn our attention to a Pac-12 game that's on yes. major network television. I know. What a crazy confluence of events. I, I don't understand how it's on network television, but ASU is kicking off in early afternoon at home against the Trojans on ABC. Yes, indeed. Yes, yes. Our uh, third game on, on uh, you know, regular TV. TV this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, second on a network. We were on Fox there in, in week three against Michigan State, so... Uh, yeah, it's a it's a big one. Uh, it, it feels like a like a really big one because you know since we've last talked, not as not a lot has happened, but enough has happened that you know I remember you asked me the question when I was in the hotel there on Saturday. You know, do I think we can go better than two and two? I feel like in order to get to two and two, we might need this one because Oregon looked really really impressive. I watched a lot of that game. And Oregon State has all of a sudden like made become like kind of a decent team. Uh, you know, they won three of the last four. They won three on the road. Uh, they can score, and like all of a sudden, that game doesn't feel like a oh, as long as we avoid just a disaster, we should win. Like that feels like a tough game. So this one, this one feels big. USC five and four, four and two in conference, and. You know, not out of it for a potential Pac-12 South title. No, no. I mean, they need Utah to lose one. Obviously, now they they uh, their loss last week took them out of the the driver's seat. I'm not going to say control your own destiny after Chip Kelly's uh, rant, which is kind of right. I don't, did you hear Chip Kelly's whole thing about how stupid the control your own destiny phrase is? I saw it. I, I just disagree. I mean, you know, I guess he's kind of right, and you know, but uh, I won't say it. I'll, I'll, I'll fall in line with, with Chip and just say, uh, you know, they were in the driver's seat. They're no longer. Um, it's a weird year for USC, and I, I mean, I, you know, obviously thinking about them this this week and happens to be the week they announced their new AD, and uh, you know, you almost 
I mean, I don't want to say I feel bad for somebody who makes millions of dollars, but you almost feel bad for Clay Helton a little bit, don't you? Like he had no chance. Uh, I mean, like well, they've had a they've had a decent year, and it's like, yeah, they're already just planning who the next coach is going to be. Well, what I my favorite tweet that I saw about this was somebody tweeted Urban Meyer favorite for USC head coaching job, <laughs> and, and the person retweeted it and said. There at the time of the tweet, there's no athletic director. Yeah, there's no vacant USC head coach. There's job. a current head coach. <laughs> I know. I mean, I read. You know, uh, I think it was Plasky in the LA Times. I saw a story. I didn't read it yet, but I, you know, I saw the the story tweeted about you know this Mike Bohm. Mike Bohm brings integrity to USC. So you know, his next move cannot be hiring Urban Meyer. And I'm thinking. Did I miss where they fired the coach yet? But, it, but I mean, it almost seems like he's been fired since the start of the year, or really since the end of last year. Uh, and and they just kept him on in order to, you know, almost like it's a one-year, hey, you want to stay on and just fill in for us for a while? Am, uh, I, they, am I crazy that if, and I don't think ASU can win the South, but if ASU can't win the South, that I'm sitting here like, why not USC? Like, Win, yeah. win the it South, been, and then make. I mean, it would be interesting if they if they did. I I don't think it matters now. I mean, you know, I think Helton's only chance was to probably go eleven and one, maybe ten and two, would have been good enough. I mean, the best they could do was eight and four, and they could potentially win the South at you know eight four seven and two. Um, but I don't think it matters. I feel like the the you know. The decision has been made. I, I know this guy says, you know, he, he hasn't made any decisions, but it just seems like they have to. I mean, it, and I don't blame this, this new AD. Like, the the fan base has tuned them out. I mean, the, the second half of that Oregon game, if you watched it and, and you thought, like, the volume was broken on your TV, no, I think there was just no one there. I mean, it sounded like they were playing in a warehouse. Like, Oregon was scoring, and there wasn't booing or, or unrest. It was just silence. Oregon scored a touchdown on a long pass, and it was as though they were playing on an empty practice field. So do you want to hear my crazy USC head coach prediction? Sure. Brian Kelly. Well, I don't – I mean, I know there's some thought that maybe the, you know, Cincinnati connection. Well, and there's there a is Cincinnati. Cincinnati connection. That's true. That's true. I, I personally, I, I like. I don't think Brian Kelly and Notre Dame are done together. I mean, like, maybe if he decides, okay, you never know. Uh, I don't think Notre Dame is is you know, and they shouldn't be. God, they were in the playoff last year. You know, I mean, I know that Notre Dame is one of those schools that you know their their diehard fans believe they should be winning national titles every year. Um, and, and he hasn't won one yet, but he's had them in contention for three or four titles, you know, three or four years in his time there in contention for a national title to the end of the season. One championship game, one playoff appearance since then, uh, and a couple other years they just barely missed out on the playoffs since the playoff has started. So, man, is it going to get any better than that? I, probably not, honestly. Like, you know, it's probably not going to get any better than that. So, um, now, if he decides to go, maybe I know I heard him suggested for Florida State as well. Um, I'd be surprised, but who knows? I mean, I, you know, I guess there's some some merit to it. So that's my that's I have no basis for that other than the Cincinnati connection and Cincinnati, that, and that yeah, Notre Dame. Yeah. Notre Dame's one of those teams schools where 
it, what have you done for me lately literally means oh, the is. current season we are in. And it is. I, That's very true. Very true. Can't can't dispute that. Uh, you know, and, and but uh, boy, I, I you know, I'm sure there's some Notre Dame fans that would probably be like, oh yeah, go ahead, get going. I, I read, I think it was Stuart Mandel on the Athletic, and I don't know if it was his mailbag or one of the things, but he was talking about Brian Kelly and. Very much agreed with him. I mean, he was talking about like, okay, who could you get to replace him if you did go that route? Clay Helton. And he, and he, ba- and he, <laughs> he didn't say that. He basically said, you know, there's a, and I think he was right. He's like, you know, if you look at it, there's probably a 60% chance another coach would do worse, a 30% chance that other coach would do about the same, and a 10% chance that new coach would do better. And are you willing to take a 10% chance? You know, I'm not. And, I, and I, I kind of agree with his numbers. I mean, obviously those numbers are just a guess, but I think he's probably right. Like, I mean, the guy's done pretty well. He's had one really bad year in 2016. And other than that, they've always been pretty good, and in three or four years they've been really good. Like, that's not bad. I mean, that you know, that's a pretty good trade-off. You know, I mean, we're, we're, we're getting away from ASU. Would you take that at ASU? I certainly would. Mm-hmm. And if someone came in in 10 years, if, if Herm Edwards – you know, from, from this year, if he's, let's say he was here for another eight years after this, he probably won't be. But if his 10 years featured, you know, two times we played for a national title, essentially, either in the playoff or championship game, uh, another couple of major bowls, and one losing season, would you take that? Yeah. I would. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's that's not bad. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So, and I realize ASU is not Notre Dame. Uh, you know, but it's it a little bit be. of an apples and oranges comparison, but <laughs> I wish it was. Uh, you know, but still, like you gotta, you gotta keep things in perspective. Like, you know, it, it's it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, I mean, okay, everybody wants to be Alabama or Clemson. Well, there, there's only room for a few of those. You know, making the playoff every single year and winning national titles, and Notre Dame's made it, and a lot of schools haven't. So, yeah, I, I don't know. But that's a different conversation, I guess, and we'll see. But, um, you know, I know Urban Meyer's the popular name. I, I don't know. It, if I'm, and this is not said as like an ASU fan that's running scared of Urban Meyer, not at all. If I'm USC, I'm, I'm not that hot on Urban Meyer. Just not. Like, should we ignore the fact that Ohio State is playing better without him? I don't think we should ignore that. Well, also, how's he going to get out of his teaching deal at Ohio State? Well, that's true too. You know, how, yeah, how are they yeah, going to teach leadership through football or whatever? It's right, called. right. Yeah, I mean, it just the just the drama that comes with him, the drama of his, you know, his health crises and his his, you know, uh, he's always got something. Whether it was, you know, dozens of arrests from his players in Florida, including you know a future murderer, uh, or whether it was the you know the assistant coach that he buried his head in the sand about domestic violence, like. And and each place he's left, Florida and Ohio State, he's left with drama. Like God, do you do you want that? I mean, I guess if you say come in and win a national title and it ends in dramatic fashion, you'd probably take that. Well, we're talking about the school that employed Pete Carroll, who left in you know who won a national title and well two, you know, yeah, Um, three if you ask them. Well, that's true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Matt Leiner still says they were the better team in that Rose Bowl. Uh, I don't actually he doesn't still say that, but he said it that night. Uh, but uh, you know, I mean, that's that's uh, yeah. Look, if if he could come in and win a title and have you know four great years, and then it ends with him you know pulling his usual 
drama queen exit, sure, you take that to heartbeat. But I'm not convinced he can do that. I'm, I'm just not. I, he recruited extremely well at Ohio State. I'm sure he would there. Uh, but those teams at the end, they underachieved. Uh, they, you know, they had no-show performances, and that cost them chances to win, you know, championships potentially the last couple years. Uh, am I nitpicking? Probably a little bit, but I like. I don't know. I just feel like you know, there's other candidates. You know, it's not Urban Meyer or Bust for USC. Well, and to me, one of the things to keep in mind is, if it was ASU, and you told me I could have Urban Meyer tomorrow. Yeah, I'd say yes. I I'd suppose. say yes, but I suppose I would too. But I'm. But this is USC. This is the crown jewel program of a Power Five conference. Yeah, yeah. You should. I mean, I don't think that they'll be able to get Lincoln Riley. I don't. You know, no, I don't think they'll be able no. to get Davo Swinney. But whoever you know, the Kirby Smart is on whatever staff yeah. you like. Yeah, this is one of those jobs. This is like Georgia. You can get that guy. I agree. I, I, I agree and I'll go, yeah. I'll, I'll go a step further. I think that they'll take a really hard look at trying to steal Justin Wilcox away from Cal. Maybe. Maybe, yeah. Because yeah, imagine mean, that guy I, with like a recruiting base. With a recruit, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, and I think, it, you know, it's interesting you say that because, you know, Justin Wilcox would not be a sexy hire. It would not be a, you know, oh boy. But – it is important to remember, you just mentioned him, the only coach who's really had sustained success there over the last 30-plus years was a guy who, when he was hired, was mostly greeted with yawns and, and you know, uh, guffaws. Oh, my God, they hired this retread Pete Carroll. Oh, God, that'll work well. That did work really well. So it's it's not about, you know, where we fall in love with this, you know, oh, you got to you got to win the press conference, as they say, and you got to win the headlines. No, not about that. I mean, it's, it's about a guy who can come in and win, and the only guy who's done it over the last 30-plus years is a guy who certainly didn't do any of those things. You know, I remember I remember when he got that job, and the reaction was like, what? This is who they ended up with? And, well, worked out pretty well. So let's talk about this game. Yeah, I, I, you know, here I said, I feel bad for Clay Helton. And, you know, then we, what did we do? We spent the next 15 minutes talking about who's going to replace him. But I think, you know, we're just being real. It, it's probably over for him. Yeah. Um, my big concern for this game is Pittman versus our secondary. Well, all those receivers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, because it's not. He's, he's the best, but Tyler Vaughn's, uh, Eamon Ross St. Brown, I mean, they, they are, a, this is a good receiving core. It's the best receiving core we've faced this year, I think, pretty pretty comfortably say that. Well, and we're giving up 243 yards passing a game. And we've played a couple games where the teams just didn't pass. So, right. that's not good. Right. <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah. I mean, we, uh, we have had... You know, and this season has been a you know a story of when we played teams with good passing games. We haven't played that many yet. We played really two: Washington State and Colorado are really the two potent passing games we played. I mean, even even UCLA, which our defense was bad against, that wasn't because we couldn't stop the run. 
Um, Utah was a running team. Michigan State is a running team. I mean, you know, Cal certainly. So we have not faced a steady diet of good passing games. And the two we have have carved us up pretty good. Uh, we won one and, and we lost the other and they were both shootouts. And it feels like this is a game that's probably going to be similar to that because they got a, they got a lot of injuries on defense. They got a couple guys back, but you know they're they're beat up on defense. They certainly you know showed some holes last week against Oregon uh, and against Colorado the week before. And so it feels like it's going to be that type of game. You know, if we're going to win it, it's going to be probably in the 30s, just like those two other games that, against good passing teams. Well, I'm going with a slightly lower score than in the 30s. Okay. But I'm picking ASU 28-27. Okay. I think it's going to be tight all the way. Yeah, it feels like it is. I hope so. Uh, You know, that that has been the hallmark of Herm's team. Well, I should say I hope so in the sense that we're, you know, if we we beat him by 35 points, that's great. Uh, You know, but it's been the hallmark until the last two games when, you know, especially the last one, to be down, you know, forty-two to seven in the fourth quarter was was and is just stunning. I still, I maybe it's because you know we were in another place and I didn't see one minute of that game live that it almost feels like it wasn't real. Like, how did that happen? How were we down that much to a bad team like UCLA? I don't, I don't get it. But we were, uh, and and so uh, you know, I hope you're right. I I'm going to go ASU as well, very tentatively. Um, but I'm going to go uh, 38-35, much like the Washington State score. I think that was 38-34. That was. Um, I, I think that this might be the game that we've been waiting for for Eno. I think that the – It certainly could be. I, yeah. The bye week – and we talked about this. The bye week mm-hmm. and the chance for the line to gel. Yeah. It's at home. Yeah. It's in the afternoon. It's on a big network. Yeah. All well, of those things. A team that isn't very good against the run. I mean, Oregon had their way with them. Now, Oregon's got a really good offensive line, and we don't. Uh, but, yeah, watching that game, they were able to just run at will. If they wanted eight yards, they got eight yards. Yeah, they're giving up 184 yards a game. Are they? Okay. And, yeah, I mean, certainly the – the Oregon game would verify that. I haven't, you know, watched them exclusively except for that game, and that was, you know, I was in the hotel, and I, there wasn't really a whole lot else on. I've watched some of, you know, SMU Memphis, but that was the game that had my attention. And, you know, they were up early, you know, and then they had a chance to be up more. Um, you know, Slovis fumbled inside the ten; they threw an interception. Like that game could have gotten, you know, troublesome for Oregon, and then boy, in the second half, it was just men and boys. They just physically overpowered them, and and certainly watching that, yeah, it should be the type of game where where we can run the ball successfully. And if we can't, I'm not sure there's a game where we will <laughs> because because <laughs> well, Oregon's not the team to do it against. And we're uh, running out know, of games. We are, yeah, yeah. You know, so if we if we can't, you know, now Arizona is not a great defense, obviously, and Oregon State not a great defense, but uh, it, yeah, it sort of does feel like. If not now, when for this for this year's team at least? Uh, if you're not going to have that, you know, 250 yard rushing day today or this weekend, you might not have it all year. Matt, do you think the defense rises to the occasion and, and you know calms <laughs> yeah, the naysayers? So, 
you know, I mean, at least in some ways. I mean, I did, I picked, I just picked him to give up 35 points. So obviously, I'm not super confident. But you know, it's it's about the, you know, the quality of your stops, the getting, you know, stops on third downs. Like I don't, I don't think this is going to be a game where we hold them to 14. Uh, they're a pretty, they're a pretty good offense. You know, you you mentioned Pittman and, and the receiving core that they've got. You know, the, the Slovis kid's been pretty good. A little turnover prone, which hopefully is something we can take advantage of. We're not um, close, by the way, to the 20 pick prediction. Not uh, even close. No, we're going we're gonna to need, what, uh, 17 in the last four games to, to get there, or five games, hopefully, if we make yeah. a bowl. Yeah. So I don't think we're going to get there. Um, but, you know, he, he has shown a tendency to give other teams chances to, you know, so can we get two or three in this game? That'd be huge if we could. Um, you know, so I have to think so. I mean, God, if you, you know, it's one of those games where after what happened two weeks ago and you've had, as you said, you know, you've had the week to kind of lick your wounds, the, off the bye week and it's like, geez, uh, I mean, if you don't come out and play with a little bit of fire, more fire than what you did in that first one or in the last one, I should say, then you, then you start to wonder about what is this team's mentality, you know, at that point. I mean, and sure wasn't wondering that two weeks ago, but things change fast in sports, and uh, we need to re- we need to answer the bell because if we lose this one again, then you go to Corvallis, and that's a team that's improving. They're you know they're going the opposite direction right now. Then you got Oregon coming in here, and they look really good, and you start thinking, are we staring down the barrel of going into that Arizona game five and six? That's certainly not what I was hoping for, and, and would would not be a good thing. Yeah. That is for sure true. So it just feels like this one, I mean, it's it's not a must win, you know, in any circumstance, but it kind of feels like it is. Because, like, you know, if you're going to be comfortably already secure that bowl game, this is the time to do it. Because, again, that, that game, I mean, all year we've talked about that game against Oregon State. Like, well, yeah, it's a house of horrors, but they're not very good. Not sure that's the case anymore. They're getting better. That's, I don't want to say like we're playing, you know, a top twenty-five team, but they're improving and they're mm-hmm. feeling confident and they got a chance to make a bowl game now. And and so that game all of a sudden feels scarier than it did before. Uh, one last thing before we go. Speaking of future uh, opponents, much further in the future, a yeah. tentative deal reported by a Florida Gators uh, blog on Twitter for. ASU and and the Gators to have a home and home 2028 at Sun Devil Stadium 2031 yeah. in Gainesville. Yeah, um, it'd be cool if it happens. Uh, I mean, you know, that, that'd be awesome if so. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting because I believe that will complete right about the same time as the LSU home and home. <laughs> so. I was going to say so. 2028 puts us about 15 years before LSU comes here, right? Something like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I yeah. believe that. Uh, I have on my calendar file for Social Security, then attend the LSU ASU game at Sun Devil State. Yeah, yeah. I don't even know when that series is scheduled for now, but it's become a laughing stock as to how many times it's been postponed. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it would be cool. It's certainly a, a rare thing for Florida to travel west. Uh, you know, they 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 don't go you know uh, outside the south very often honestly uh, i mean that that's pretty rare for them to, to even think about that so maybe that's a sign of you know again we're seeing some teams doing some different scheduling you know doing more home and homes less neutral sites um 
you know, Alabama, I know, and Georgia, and Clemson. There are a lot of teams that are scheduled these home and homes with other big time teams. You know, we're not at that stratosphere yet, but hey, that's that's great if Florida, you know, Florida thinks we're on the level to schedule a home and home. That's fantastic. So it's 2019 right now. The first yeah. Florida game in that series is 2028. Then yes. we play the LSU series in 29 and 30. Supposedly. Supposedly. Yeah. Florida again in 2031. Then Texas okay. in 2032-2033. That's right. That's right. I forgot about the Texas. Yeah. Yeah. Between, between then and uh, now, you can tide yourself over with the Texas states and Wyoming's of the world. <laughs> yeah. It's a, the next few years are kind of lean. Uh, I mean, next year when we play BYU and UNLV, I think BYU and, at home and UNLV on the road. And NAU. Yeah. Yeah. So do we, you got, want, we got Oklahoma State coming up, right? Like 2022. So, yeah, okay. so we've got it's UNLV BYU the next two years, and our okay. our one double A opponents are nice. NAU and Southern Utah. Okay, okay. Then it's Oklahoma State Eastern Michigan, Oklahoma State Fresno State, Mississippi okay. State Not Texas bad. State Wyoming in 2024. Okay. All right, all right. And that's at Texas State for some reason. That's uh, an odd one. Yeah. Yeah, but then, but then, in a, in a lucky break for us, they're willing to return the home and home. There we go. In twenty twenty five, positive, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And then it's Mississippi State, Texas A and M, the next couple of years. Yeah, I mean, I, I like that. You know, I, those those are both exciting, and certainly, I think you know, somewhat on our radars as, as possible uh, places to get when we. We've gotten a little deeper into our SEC rotation by then. That that might be fun to go see the Devils play at one or both of those places. Um, you know, so those are those are exciting. And yeah, I mean, Florida, LSU, Texas—that's pretty nice. Now it's a long ways off. It's hard to get too excited about games that are you know ten plus years away. But you know, I I like the idea of it at least. So between here and there, we're going to probably do another couple hundred of these bad boys, but, uh, I think so. I think that's, that's gotta be the plan, but yeah, yeah, no, you're right. The next, next two years, not too sexy, but after that, you know, yeah, pretty steady diet of good programs, Oklahoma state, Mississippi state, A&M. I, li- I like it. I like it. Yeah. You get one at a time anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Until next time, he's Matt. I'm Ben. It's the Ben and Matt sportscast.